Good morning. Good morning once again, and welcome to uh, the City Club. I'm Dan Gibbons, and uh, would love to get your attention for just a, a moment. Please continue to eat your breakfast and enjoy. Um, we're looking forward to hearing from our featured speaker, uh, Representative Cam Buckner, in a little bit. Uh, and, and he's going to be introduced by the City Club Chairwoman Jackie Robinson Ivy. Um, after we're able to uh, eat a little breakfast and, and get caught up on coffee and, and whatnot, so please enjoy. Um, I just want to get through a couple of things uh, before we do that. Uh, of course, we want to thank our sponsors because the, these events are all possible in this club functions because of sponsors like all of you. People's Gas is here, Deshauna Fournay, uh, JLD Consulting. Uh, right up front here, we've got MPEA, always uh, supportive and involved in City Club. Thank you, Larita Clark, for being here. Uh, and the Capital Consulting Group um, is is also here. So thank you. That helps make the uh, the club work and provide this platform uh, for everyone doing doing good things in Chicago. We are delighted to have Representative Buckner here this afternoon. And I'm going to read our guest's bio now. And um, I'm going to read the entire bio. I don't normally do that, but I think he's he, he deserves reading the whole bio. But you can still go to the website and check it out, right, Dan? Okay. Cam Buckner is a son of Chicago. Growing up in Roseland and Washington Heights, his father was a law enforcement officer, and his mother was a teacher. He actually just told a really cool story about his mother and his grandfather, grandmother, and I hope you share that when you get up here, Representative. He attended Chicago Public Schools, graduating from Morgan Park High School, before going to college at the University of Illinois and later law at DePaul University. He worked on Capitol Hill for Senator Dick Durbin before coming home to join the Chicago Cubs leading their community outreach. In 2015, Cam became the executive director of the not-profit World Sport Chicago, where he served 70,000 students across the city. In 2019, Cam was sworn into the General Assembly to the Illinois House of Representatives. His district runs from Chicago, South Chicago to the Gold Coast. And as a representative, Cam is the House Chair of Legislative Black Caucus and was a lead negotiator on the nation's most comprehensive and consequential clean energy package and has worked to pass legislation on public safety, equitable schools, and economic empowerment and jobs. Cam lives in Bronzeville with his wife, Bernadine, and their son, Cass. And he's also been the newly appointed majority deputy, deputy majority leader. Wow, maybe breakfasts are more tough for me to talk than others. Um, so very proud of the work that he's done. We are about to welcome him to the stage. I'd like for everybody to give a round of rousing applause for Representative Buckner. Good morning. It is indeed, hold on, y'all. It's indeed an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning uh, to talk about the future of the city that we all love, the greatest city in the world, Chicago. That's right. Clap it up for Chicago, everybody. <clears throat> Jackie, as I was writing this speech and working on how to explain to this room uh, my vision and my experience bringing people together to get things done, I realized that my experience in local, federal, 
and state government, as well as the huge legislative wins like the Climate Equity Jobs Act, uh, expanding and, and extending the earned income tax credit, and banning ghost guns and assault weapons, uh, and the rest of the extensive preparation and track record uh, that I could share today should be shared with this crowd, but that the most important job qualification just might be that my wife, Bernadette, and I have a one-year-old son. And so I am well prepared for sleepless nights. For sleepless nights, sensitive negotiations with very difficult people. I'll admit that there is some situational irony uh, or a reversal of expectations for me today. I can't say that a younger version of myself uh, would have imagined that I would be standing here in front of this room talking about my plans to lead Chicago because I was often told that things like this don't happen for people like me. And way too many young people in this city are growing up being told the same thing today. I'm a little boy who grew up on the South Side, just off of 103rd and Halstead, whose mother was a Chicago public school teacher and whose father worked at the Cook County Sheriff's Department. The fourth or fifth children, the fourth or five children and the only boy, a CPS graduate who at times struggled so mightily that I almost was not a CPS graduate. A kid who found excitement and commitment through sports, who went on to play football at the state's flagship university, that's not Northwestern, if anybody's asking. <laughs> Earned a law degree from DePaul, worked for Senator Durbin in the U.S. Senate, then for Mitch Landry when he was mayor of New Orleans, then for the Chicago Cubs, then uh, run a nonprofit, work in the private sector, teach at the University of Chicago, and find his way to the legislature and be elevated as the chair of the Black Caucus and then to assistant majority leader. But also, as a child of the 1990s, a child that saw a lot of death and destruction on the Chicago streets. Someone who saw lives taken much too frequently, growing up to the soundtrack of the relentless drumbeat of murder in this city. In the 24 months between the day I started my junior year at Morgan Park High School and when I started my college career at the University of Illinois, I lost 13, counted 13, close friends, family members, teammates, and neighbors to violence in this city. Over the years, I've lost two uncles to Chicago street violence. My uncle, Frankie Lee Aldridge, killed in 1994, shot while walking down the street in the greater Grand Crossing neighborhood in a location in my current state rep district. <clears throat> and 21 years later, my uncle John Buckner, a CPD civilian employee, caught in crossfire in Morgan Park as he and my aunt removed groceries from their car. I sat outside the operating room at Christ Hospital and locked eyes with the doctor as he came out and conveyed to us that they could not save him. So I'm speaking to you today and throughout this campaign as a true son of this city. Someone who has suffered many losses, tremendous grief, trauma, and setbacks, but someone who is still unequivocally 
in no uncertain terms a believer that this is the greatest city in the world. I represent the most diverse district in the Illinois House of Representatives. It stretches from the Gold Coast and the Mag Mile to Navy Pier through downtown, down the lakefront, to Soldier Field, the museum campus, McCormick Place, through Bronzeville, High Park, Woodlawn, South Shore, and all the way to South Chicago. I see it every single day. Chicago has real challenges, but we also have tremendous opportunities. If we can come together instead of being divided on the things that matter the most. It's with that understanding and that determination for change that I've released nine extensive policy plans among a field of candidates, frankly, who have little to no vision for our future. And here today, I'll be releasing my 10th policy plan on financial stability. And it's all built on the foundation that in order for any of these plans to work, people need to feel safe. And that goes hand in hand with the fact that we don't have enough economic opportunity, inclusive plans for a sustainable future. And if we don't prioritize creating a city that works for everybody, then we'll never truly achieve safety. That's why I was proud to present my comprehensive public safety plan, Safer 77, for all of Chicago immediately after I announced my run for mayor in May. It is the cornerstone of my campaign, and it can be summed up this way. Solving crimes is what we must do, but preventing crimes before they happen is what we are capable of doing. We cannot spend $1.9 billion on CPD every year and not see the results. Whether it's the devastating increase in homicides, reaching levels we haven't seen in 30 years, or the unprecedented rise in carjackings, data shows about half of all homicides go unsolved. And carjackings are rarely solved at all. In 2021, a staggering 797 Chicagoans were murdered. And shootings have gone up 53% since 2018. Carjackings happening in neighborhoods across this city have increased over 200% since 2019. Chicago can do better, and we must do better. Families deserve answers, and our communities deserve to feel and to be safe. My Safer 77 initiative is an actionable effort to build community and police relationships, to commit resources to neighborhood engagement, and to mental health, and through training, recruitment, and smart strategies, improve the way that we police. But the truth is, Chicago can't fight crime if our leaders are busy fighting each other. And another truth is, it's not enough just to change the way we police in Chicago. We have to change Chicago. We live and we work in a city that has always stepped up when the going gets tough. Chicago is built on intrepid dreams and painstaking work, literally forged by fire and rooted in possibility. A city with a grit, a determination, and a spirit like no other place on earth. This is our Chicago. And we cannot wait a day longer for safety and justice for all of us. And because I understand the interconnectedness of our city, when I say all of us, I mean all of us. What's good for my neighbors in Bronzeville is good for the small business owner in Rogers Park or the police officer's family in Jefferson Park or the corporate executive in the loop. And similarly, 
what's good for downtown can benefit my neighbor's child in Bronzeville, the first-generation high school student in Little Village, and the CPS teacher's classroom in Albany Park, but only if we do it the right way. Central to all of this is the strength of our economic engine and the center of our city, the vitality of our downtown. As the city recovers from COVID, we need to plan to bring more jobs to Chicago and make Chicago the home where people choose to live, work, raise their families, and grow their businesses. That means supporting the business community, giving more opportunities to small businesses and neighborhoods throughout the city, and providing support for workers everywhere. Chicago has the third largest GDP in the country and the 22nd largest GDP in the world. We can have the most successful and equitable economic recovery in the nation. We just need the vision and the leadership to make it possible. This includes prioritizing business development at City Hall, decentralizing the Business Affairs and Consumers Protection Department to increase transparency and accountability and allowing the city to better serve the unique needs of both businesses and consumers, streamlining the business permitting process to eliminate unnecessary red tape, establishing a Chicago CEO Council to advise on business issues citywide and to prioritize growth and investment, creating a main streets plan for our historical commercial corridors, establishing specialized support for the hospitality industry, which was hit hard during the COVID-19 pandemic, and working with Springfield to come up with solutions to address the abundance of commercial vacancies by eliminating or reconfiguring the commercial vacancy tax credit. We also need to support downtown through our COVID transformation by activating public spaces through programming and infrastructure repairs, providing technical support and financial tools to local small businesses and investing in our robust tourism industry. Unless we get serious about our city's financial situation, Chicago will continue to struggle to reduce crime and to support vital social services. We'll fall short of affordable housing needs and we'll put too few dollars towards investing in our communities. We need to stop the cycle of short-sighted quick fix, quick fixes. The current mayor has touted improving the financial situation of the city, but has neglected to mention that she's been able to do, though, do so with the help of one-time COVID funds from the federal government. Instead of smoking mirrors, the city needs a sustainable long-term plan to manage finances and to set up future generations for success. From my work as a state rep and my previous work at the federal level, I know that Chicago is leaving money on the table simply because of our poor communication, siloing, and the current administration's fundamental inexperience with all levels of government. I can say without, equivoca without equivocation that no one in this race has put as much time, effort, work, or thought into painting a detailed picture of what they will do in this office as I have. Not even close, y'all. <laughs> All of the policy proposals and plans that I have put forth for consideration to the people of Chicago are leading to today's proposal. The ethos of this campaign. Our plans for safer streets, better education, more affordable housing, mental health care, environmental sustainability, a world-class transit system, economic stability, fiscal responsibility, veterans affairs, and inclusion for Chicagoans with disabilities 
all lead for a plan to grow Chicago. And not just some nebulous picture of growth. They can't be tracked or traced with no accountability. But big, bold, creative, transformative, and trackable growth. Three million Chicagoans by the year 2030. So, how do we get there? I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) It's baked into every single plan we've presented so far. We will make it easier to build and grow and develop more affordable housing and more density. We will fix our broken transit system and use it as a catalyst for growth and encourage more use of it by making it safe, reliable, and accessible, not by creating regressive taxes on people who are doing the right thing by using public transit. We'll give people choice on how to get around town by making Chicago the most bicycle and pedestrian friendly and safe city in America. We'll transform the South Street and the downtown central business district based on the trends that we've seen around the world, including experiential and people-based activations. We'll protect our resources. Our geographical endowment is our strong suit. We can't go selling off our lake, and we can't continue to pollute our environment. Speaking of environment, we will protect it and lead on climate change. We'll welcome new green jobs of the future. We'll create green infrastructure, and we'll show the nation what a truly green city should look like. We will will analyze data and apply solutions to help reduce capital and operating expenditures and increase revenues and improve city services. And we need a smart, visionary plan for the future of DuSable Lakeshore Drive so that we can treat it like the iconic shoreline it is and not like a feeder ramp to a suburban Ikea. And so that that growth doesn't just happen to us, but instead it happens with us and because of us, I will commission a new Burnham-type plan for the development and growth of Chicago for the next 100 years. The last plan worked pretty well, but we haven't had real direction in generations. We have to have a plan because, as Burnham himself said, Formless growth is neither economical or satisfactory. Chicago's best mayors have always focused on our common values and our common purpose, not our differences. They've always had an eye towards the future and in a race where people are peddling nostalgia and fear with no direction for tomorrow. Our plan offers clear and concrete objectives for the city that we can build together. Big ideas, big plans, big decisions under a big tent carried on big shoulders. And as a former Big Ten defensive lineman, I know a little bit about that. (laughs) I choose to believe that we can once again do what we have always done, fight back and win. It's the same spirit that built back better in 1871 after the Great Fire that put record-breaking skyscrapers into the clouds, and when they were finished, looked up and said, taller next time. That reversed the flow of a river and never let famine, war, depression, 
recession, flood, blizzard, or pandemic stop us, not for one moment. In a word, it's Chicago. It's time to bring people together to find a way to yes instead of getting stuck at no. It's time to remember that promise shines from every single corner of this great city. I'm running for mayor to bring people together and to get things done. I'll bring a balanced approach to safety and justice so that each and one of our 77 communities has both of those things. I'll fight for a fairer, more funded education system that puts children first and provides more pathways to opportunities. I'll fight to achieve Chicago's potential of having the most equitable economic recovery and development in this entire country. And as a pro-business progressive, you heard it here first, we do exist. As a pro-business progressive, I'll fight to make this a better, friendlier place to do business where everybody benefits from our growth so that national retailers know that a promise to Chicago is a promise so that international corporations have a reason to make Chicago home. And when they do, they have a reason to stay here. And so small businesses have all the tools they need to grow and to flourish. And I will work to achieve fiscal responsibility, creating sustainability for years to come. You know, through the sleepless nights and the toddler standoffs, I'm a father who looks at my son every day and promises him better. This work is not just about the next election. It has to be about the next generation. And we can create the future that our children, my children, your children deserve, and that our city needs if we have leaders who can muster the courage and make the effort to find unity of purpose. We can become one city with one future if we work to overcome the divisions and realize our full potential. And I'm more convinced now than ever that we must not fear the future. We must shape it. Because here's the truth. The world and the country are struggling with ways with the way forward. Chicago does not need an example. Chicago should be the example on triumph through adversity. It's who we are. And it's what we've always done, solving the challenges of today so that our young kids can live their dreams tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so oh, got to bring the mic down. Thank you so much, Representative. We have a number of questions. Um, I, I was going to start with the Disable Lakeshore Drive IKEA example, but you like that? That was pretty cool. I'm like, being a West Sider, I don't get a whole lot of action on Lakeshore Drive, but I'm trying to figure out how to North I go to IKEA North, maybe. Oh, I've never been there. I'm gonna have to figure that out. So. I've never actually been there. <laughs> Um, I'm going to start right in. You just said you didn't need water, right? Okay. Thank you all for getting your questions up. It makes life so much easier when you get them up earlier. And you can submit questions pre the event uh, on the webpage. So don't ask me how to do that. 
but I know that you can do it. So, shameless plug there. Ariel Maffei, am I saying your name right? I am? Okay. Um, I'm just going to let you know, I see that you're not a member, so if you are tackled by a one Omar Dagestani on your way out, you will know what. <laughs> Get it? The tackle? You know? Okay. <laughs> Ariel is at McGuire Woods Consulting. How do we not just bring new residents to the city, but how do we also retain our residents that are currently here, especially young people from Chicago? Good question. Thank you for that. Um, When we talk about, I'll call it recruitment and and retention, right? Uh, Getting new folks to come here, uh, as well as... um, showing some appreciation and giving some opportunity to people who are already here. And we want uh, to continue to, to grow their roots here. Um, we got to have a, a conversation about the things that have run people away. Right. That's why public safety has been the number one, two and three thing in every conversation about the future of the city. Uh, that's why we talk so much about education and, and, and opportunity. Uh, we have to find a way one to, to be able to foster uh that investment in our young people from day one. Right, right now, we, we've got our kids sitting in schools where they're being, um, where they're not getting enough per pupil spending. The schools, uh, many of them are filthy. They're, they're lead service lines, feeding them water, right? And so if we're talking about investment, we're not doing the right thing today. And we've got to find a way to turn the tide on that. Uh, but secondly, uh, people want to be places and stay places where it's easy to live. For way too often, Chicago has thrived off of a um, a standard of survivability, right? We're tough, though. We're Chicagoans. We're always going to survive. The best cities in the country and in the world are livable. So we have to start uh, uh, chasing a, a standard of livability to make people feel welcome, um, to grow our population, and to keep the people who are here here. Thank you, Representative. Brent Adams. Are you here? What? From the Woodstock Group. Hey, Brent. Uh, despite the state's 36% rate cap on consumer loans, pawnbrokers still charge triple-digit interest rates. What can be done to stop the predatory practice, which hits low-income in- people and people of color hardest? So, so Brent's question talks about the 36% interest rate cap. Um, without going into context, I'm going to talk a little bit about how we got there. It didn't. Ha- Santa Claus did not bring that to us in December. Uh, it didn't happen by osmosis. It was uh, because of advocates like the Woodstock Group and folks in Springfield who fought very hard. When we did studies of the, the payday loan industry and saw that there were people in Austin and in Inglewood and in Roseland and back of the yards who were being charged 297% interest on payday loans. 297. Uh, and this is a room full of smart folks. We, we know who, uh, were, were, who, who was using those services, right? There it were, it was single mothers. Uh, it was minority folks. It was poor folks. And it was people who are unbanked, right? And so, uh, we went on an all, um, all fronts effort to deal with that. And now, because of that, the law in Illinois is that payday loans and other predatory loans are, are capped at a 36% interest rate. Okay, um, but there are still some loopholes. There are still um, some industries that have not been good actors. 
there are still some industries who, who their entire business model is about preying on people who don't have the means and who don't have the ability to um, find other ways to access capital. And so um, I think the answer, Brent, is the same thing that we did, you know, two years ago, right, uh, to, to, to fight in Springfield, uh, to make sure that people understand that we can't continue to prey on, on folks from the most vulnerable communities uh, and find a way to close those loopholes so we can create some, some true uh, economic justice in this state, in this city. Garrett Wolf, where are you? Congrat- oh, I just met you. Congratulations for having the first question. I appreciate that. Some candidates have talked about tax increases. Do you have a revenue position, and does you, do your years in Springfield bring a different perspective to that? So, absolutely. Um, and a lot of what we – I didn't get a chance to bundle it all into the speech because Jackie only gave me a few minutes to talk. Um, <laughs> but uh, just plain. Um, it is on our website, the financial plan that we put forth, uh, and it should be is – up, is it up now? Okay. Tara says it's up now, so it's up. Um, but just kind of in, in broad strokes, we've seen a lot of talk the last couple of days, last couple of weeks about more taxes in Chicago. Um, and the truth of the matter is that history tells us that cities cannot tax their way into prosperity, uh, and we therefore cannot tax our way into peace in this city. Um, the true answer is the one that, unfortunately, no one else in this race has been talking about, which I presented to you today, is that we have to grow our base. We have to grow Chicago. We need more people here, more people living here, more people provi- providing um, resources to our economy so that we can grow and thrive and flourish and then put dollars into the um, the the resource, put resources and dollars uh, into the issues that matter the most to us, specifically our young people um, around the city. And so um, a a regressive tax on things like commuter rail, problematic, uh, a regressive tax on um, things that would push a business owner or a conglomerate out of coming to Chicago to help us grow. Uh, I think that's problematic. We can't keep going backwards. We got to go forward and look at how we do that. And and more taxes today is not the answer to that. Jonathan wants everyone to know that he is no relation. Are you really all really not related? He's a Tennessee Buckner. I'm a Mississippi Buckner. (laughs) Same thing, Georgia, Tennessee, same place. (laughs) I have a whole theory on that. And my logic is, yeah, probably related. <laughs> I'm just going to say. We'll discuss that later, but probably related. Um, Jonathan asks, can you please discuss your plans for um, what your thoughts are around mental health? Yeah. And uh, mental health uh, services for the city. Yep. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Buckner, my not cousin. Um, uh, so listen, we, 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 we saw... Um, neglect and a under-resourcing of our mental health apparatus for years under um, a number of mayoral administrations, right? And uh, one thing that was important for me in this race is to be able to to talk um, with some intentionality about the way that we should move forward with um, uh, the mental health issue here. Listen, we had a mental health uh, issue in this city before COVID, and COVID exacerbated it, right? Let's just be real about that. Uh, And so what my... uh, mental health plan, and I have a specific standalone mental health plan no one else in this race does. Um, what it talks about is, um, one, reopening 
the 20 clinics that have been shuttered over time and not necessarily just reopening them in the same location they were before, but looking at the data and seeing where they're needed the most and putting them in those places. Uh, four of those clinics need to be 24 hours, 365 days a year, uh, one on the north side, one on the south side, one on the west side, and one in the central business district area adjacent to downtown. Um, so you can meet people where they are all day long, all year long. Uh, we've also talked about creating some mobile units uh, that are roving and, and go around communities and offer um, help for people help for people as they need it. And uh, we talk about making sure that we have um, not a co-responder model. Because today, CPD has a co-responder model where certain calls, they'll send a social worker or a mental health clinician out with an officer. Um, but I think that's not enough. Some calls that come through need only mental health professionals to show up. Um, the, the story I think about is in December of 2015, the day after Christmas, you guys may remember the name Quintonio Legrier. Quintonio Legrier was a young man in Chicago. I think he was 19 years old. Uh, he had a history of schizophrenia uh, and he was having an episode. He called the police on himself uh, and they showed up and he told them on the phone he was having an episode. They showed up and they did what you know most police do and they are confronted with a situation. They, they tried to figure out what was going on, uh, but it turned into a gun situation where the officer um, shot Mr. Legrier and killed him. Uh, but what also happened in that instance was that bullets went through the wall uh, of the home that Legrier was in and uh, his neighbor, Betty Jones, was sitting on the couch watching Christmas movies and the bullets ripped through her house and killed her as well. Had nothing to do with it. All right. I bring that up to point to the fact that if Quintonio Legree was able to call somebody who was a mental health professional who was trained in the fact that a person who has, was having a schizophrenic episode needed certain type of care and certain type of resources, uh, then we wouldn't be talking about him and Betty Jones as deceased Chicagoans. And so we've got to be serious about this. There's money on the federal government level for communities and cities who are trying to do this the right way. We've missed out on that. Um, but I talk a lot about that in my plan, and it's the only way that, that we can, I think, appropriately move forward from this kind of desert uh, of um, uh, of mental health resources in this city. I want to dovetail. We've got to move just a little bit quicker with our questions um, into what are your thoughts with, um, you talked about some of your safer 77, am I saying that right? Um, the Chicago Police Department and the communities. Um, Adam Murray from First T. Where are you, Adam? Okay. Um, wants to have your thoughts on that. On community. communities in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Adam. Um, so I think for far too long, we've done uh, neighborhood policing, but not community policing. What's the difference? I think neighborhoods are about places. I think communities are about people, right? Um, I think we have lacked uh, any real connectivity between specifically communities of color um, and 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 the folks who are um, here to serve and protect us. So we got to think outside the box. And I said this earlier in this, in the speech, it's not enough just to change policing in Chicago. We got to change Chicago, right? We have a, a history of friction between our law enforcement uh, and our communities. And so we have to start one, we got to address the ills of the past um, two, set a plan for the future. And three in this present situation where we can find ways to work towards that. Um, it's going to be an uncomfortable situation, an uncomfortable conversation, but we have to have it. Uh, folks have to feel like they're um, not being occupied, but they're being served and they're being protected. I think a lot of that 
can be alleviated by the way that we fill, uh, refill the ranks in CPD. Uh, folks from communities like, you know, the one that I grew up in who want to be a part of the solution, we got to find a way to get them on the force, right? Um, the fact that we've got specifically a lot of young black and Latino men who want to be a part of the solution in their community, but they have been uh, kicked out of the process because they have misdemeanor marijuana charges. Marijuana is legal today, right? But we're still working off this antiquated uh, system that pushes folks out. Uh, and, you know, it's racially insensitive. Honestly, if I'm being frank about it. The second thing I'll say is that we have to find a way to use the resources we have today and to create some continuity within the, the police department. Um, I talk about this a lot. Every 10 years, we redraw our congressional maps, your automatic maps, your legislative maps. We have not redrawn the Chicago police maps since the 60s. Um, contextualizing that there are three police districts, 13, 21, and 23, that don't even exist anymore. We just skipped over them on the, on the list. All right, we got to go back to the drawing board to see where trends and demographics are, see how communities and, and cultural nuances uh, have changed, and then um, make sure that the police department fits what's happening in Chicago in a contemporaneous and a real way. Uh, we've missed the boat. We're trying to police uh, in 1960, in 2023, with 1960s mindset, it's not going to work. We got to change the whole thing. Last question, and I'll make it quick. Um, Marge Halperin, thank you, who is a member. Uh, consulting in Invisible Chicago. Where are you, Marge? There you are. Crane's reports the bears are floating. I knew it was coming. Okay. <laughs> So do I even need to finish the question? No, no, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Cranes reports that the bears are floating a new taxpayer financing scheme, payment in lieu of taxes, or PILT, which could also benefit One Central. Can this pass in Springfield? Can you talk about it? Can't you stop it? Can't you move it? But how are you going to work that out? All right. Bears question to, to take us home. Um, Listen, I've been very clear about the fact that I don't think that uh, city or state subsidies uh, should go to the Bears in order to stay in Chicago or to entice them to go to Arlington Heights. Um, we've done some really tremendous work, I think, over the last four years in the Prisker administration under the leadership of Speaker Welch and President Harmon as well to write Illinois financial uh, fiscal ship. We're not there yet. Uh, but we're paying our bills on time. Um, we're, we have a real clear picture and we've had six, count them six credit rating upgrades, right? Over the last four years, this has not happened here before. That's a big deal. Um, to go backwards and to begin to shell out money to a football team, uh, to me is problematic. And I'm a football guy. I love football. Go Bears, right? Um, but we got to be smart about where our investments go. And, uh, you know, I've been very vocal about this in Springfield. I've pushed back uh, a lot when people have uh, tried to say that the state should uh, do this. I don't think it's the right way forward. Um, we've got a lot of other things that be, should be first on our plate when we talk about the things that we're going to do to, to change Illinois and change Chicago. I have not completely read the new PILT or pilot legislation. I got a note on it late last night. Uh, I will go through it this afternoon uh, and you may hear something from me this afternoon about it after I read it. Uh, but, yeah, listen, I think it's about priorities. Uh, and I'll just say one last thing. I'm, you know, here, listen, the truth of the matter also is that we are in this vicious cycle 
of financing, public financing of sports stadiums, and we need to leave that in the past. Uh, the NFL has perpetuated it. They've made it worse. They've made cities compete against each other uh, to build these stadiums, and the fan base and, 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 and residents of the cities and, and the states that, that they do this are the ones who are left holding the bag. It's not okay. Um, so we should not fall for that trap. I'm sure that we can find other ways for the Bears to get whatever they want, wherever it is that they want to go. And the applause for the six credit ratings was not lost on me. Statehouse worked really hard on that. That's a big deal. Um, I know Omar's smiling. So any other finance people in the room? I, we talk all this finance stuff, and people are like, oh, there's a couple. They're like, what are Jackie and Omar talking about? Um, thank you so much, Representative Buckner. Amanda, I'm going to ask you to take the bowl to former Majority Leader Art Turner. And give him a round of applause, too. Right? Yeah. If you're in Springfield enough, you know him as Big Art. Although Little Art is bigger than Bigger. I don't know how that works. Um, so before I announce this, I just want to acknowledge the fact that I saw a representative um, reach out to his staff. Um, you don't get anywhere in leadership without good staff. Anywhere. As I'm looking at some of his campaign, some of his, his, his office staff and some of his campaign staff, you get nowhere without good staff. And they can really be your fail or your make it or break it, literally. You can smile and do all the kind of stuff you want to do, but if the back stuff, when I tell you Amanda runs us, Amanda runs us. Um, she does. And if you see her walking around like, it's time, and you see me jump, it's because I'm like, okay, Amanda said it's time. Um, you may have read Chia Kapos' call. Anybody read the column this morning? A little too early for you? Man, Dan, that totally blows my point. So um, we've been talking for days and weeks and months about some of the changes that we've made in City Club. And we're moving forward with lots of prayer and lots of determination. And um, Shia has announced, uh, we're we announcing it, that um, Dan is officially stepping in the role as CEO of, of City Club of Chicago. He's going to kill me for that, but um, it is important to acknowledge staff, and he's got a dynamite staff with him. Um, I don't know if Amanda's in the room. I don't know if um, Dot or MB, Dot Hoyle or MB, her are around, but you're going to see them doing some amazing things. I was sharing with our table. Ideas shoot out of Dan's head like just, it's amazing to me. Um, and sometimes I just go, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, he's just, you know, they're coming out so quickly. Um, but when you see them come to fruition, it's amazing. So I'm honored and glad and proud to have Dan step into that role. So that was my point about staff. Did that go over well? Okay, 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 okay. Okay. Um, so the winner. Oh. Well, now I'm not trying to be funny, Pat Carey. But I'm just saying, really? It, I'm not trying to be funny, but we've been talking about going to lunch, so. <laughs> it's a total, I, when I say that, you all, please don't take that and say, and, and you have to take it on, because that's really not true. It's just a lot of fun for me. I don't know about everybody else, but it's fun for me. Um, please see Amanda Shewa or somebody. Is it Amanda that you see? Okay, she'll get you taken care of. Um, 
if you get a chance to, to thank Emily and Deb as you walk out, because they do a great job as well, please do so. Thank you. Representative, you have from us... A brand new car. <laughs> okay, so if something happened down here, kind of came apart here. This is um, your 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 membership. Thank you. We hope that you use it. I will. Thank you. The idea of a breakfast is to get everybody in and out and get you back to the office or to the office if you haven't been there yet. It is our hope that you go and have a wonderfully productive day. Thank you so much for being here, and we are adjourned.